Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Show Nate some love. Thanks, man, for coming. Right. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Yeah. Man, it's so good to be with like-minded believers. Amen? Yeah. Now, I get to travel to a lot of different churches, and unfortunately, not all believers believe the same way. How many of you guys have found that? Down here in the South, is there any little, maybe different perspectives on things? <laughs> so it's good to be with people that love the Lord and that also just believe in the finished work. And so as, uh, as Pastor Clint, or Clint said... Um, I've got a few books out on the, the table, and just proceeds go to our ministry, specifically in Africa. Um, but I'm going to give away a couple books here. And actually, I want to give these both to my friend Tori here. I just felt like I needed to give these to you, bro. One's on the gospel, evangelism, making evangelism practical and easy, and the other's on uh, New Covenant faith. I appreciate so, that. Yeah, Thank man. So love much. you, bro. Awesome. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right, well, I, I do a lot of ministry in Africa, and so I'm used to people getting a little wild and crazy. So if you decide, if you get it in you and want to stand up on a chair and just start screaming, that's okay. I'm, I'm just joking. You got me, Sarah? But yeah, we're going to have a good time this morning. I'm going to share a little bit about our ministry and what we're doing around the world, and then also just going to share a word that God's put on my heart. And uh, you know, one thing I want to say before we get started... How many of you have an expectation to receive from God today? Anyone come here needing something from God, drawing on Him? And what I tell people, no, no matter what you have, whatever ne- what you need, um, God has it. He, he, he has the supply that you need. He has the solution. And so you don't need to wait for me or Clint or someone else to lay hands on you. You can receive from God right in here, right now. You know, some of the most wild miracles I've ever seen took place without me praying for people. It happened out in the middle of a crowd somewhere where someone just connected their faith to God's supply, and bam, the miracle happened. And what I say is you're, you're one belief away from whatever your need is, from whatever miracle you need. And so, man, right now, even as I'm just talking and, and even talking about our ministry or talking about the Word, which the Word I'm going to be speaking on really doesn't have anything to do with healing, but you can receive healing. Amen. Like you, uh, so many times I've seen people come up to me afterward and they said, as you were speaking, I, my, my belief system switched and I saw God is good. I saw my pain has been paid for and I received healing. So I just want to throw that out. You can be healed right here, right now. Amen. And then there's people here maybe today that you just really don't know about Jesus and don't know about this, this whole uh, life with God thing, and my, my hope is by the end of the service, you're going to see God as being your Father who loves you and enter into that relationship. So uh, as Pastor Clint said, my name is Nate Tanner, and uh, I'm going to share a few slides. Uh, and, and first, I just want to introduce my family to you. This is my wife up there. Um, her name's Ruth. Portuguese, they say it a little bit different, but I'll, I'll hold off on that one. I don't think you're ready, but uh, that's my wife up there. <laughs> okay, Clint got a, got, a, got a laugh out of this last night, but in Portuguese, they pronounce their names as R's, or their R's as an H sound, and so in Brazil, they say, Rute or Huchi, 
And so, yeah. Yeah, I had to double back, but man, she's an awesome woman of God. So you guys can call her Ruth. She's, it's the Bible name for Ruth. Yeah, only I get the honor of calling her Hoochie. Yeah. <laughs> but that's my wife, and we'll bring her down here sometime, and she's just an awesome minister of God. We've been married 19 years. We've both been in ministry now for well over 20 years each, and uh, just traveled to 30-plus nations together. It's been a fun, fun, exciting journey. There's my two kids up there. That was in Africa recently. That's Gabriel. He just turned 17, and Amelia is 10. And so they've traveled all over the world with us and uh, just great kids. And then that picture down there, that was a few years back, but that's actually how I got into ministry. I was a semi-professional skateboarder, and I just got, uh, just, you know, just, just quick testimony. When I was a teenager in 1996, I was in a meeting, December of 96, in Whitefish, Montana, and I was sitting in the back of the room, and there was a lot of young people there that were wild and crazy, filled with the Holy Spirit. They had something I didn't have but at the same time, I was, I was a little freaked out. And so I was sitting back by the door thinking, how can I get away from these, these crazy folks? And I don't know what was said or even if the gospel was preached, but something happened in my heart, and I went forward, and I surrendered my whole life to Jesus Christ. And up to, before that, I knew about God, believed in God. My mom had took me to church as a child, but my concept of God was he's this, this angry policeman waiting to bust me for, for having a good time. And so... But that night, I saw God as good, and his presence came on me, knocked me to the floor. I wasn't told to fall over. I didn't know what that was. That had never happened to me. But as I laid there, just completely, um, just under the power of God, it was like waves of God's liquid love begin to wash over me. And that's all I can, I can explain it, is that it was like waves of love. And when I pulled myself off to the floor, I was a teenager, um, I was a skateboarder, but I had completely surrendered to Jesus Christ. And immediately, I, for me, it was, I got to tell somebody about this. So I began just to share the gospel with friends, and some of them received, some of them thought I was crazy. But that set me on a journey where I joined a skateboard ministry in 1997, and I started doing um, big productions and skateboard demos around the U.S. and eventually around the world, preaching the gospel. Pretty cool, huh? Awesome. Now, you're probably wondering, can I still skate? But uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> But, uh, but that's how we got into, into ministry, and I met my wife in Brazil in the year 2000, got married shortly after, and we've just been able, been able to travel with a ministry called Youth with a Mission, or YWAM, for many, many years. And then about 10, 12 years ago, we started an organization called L3 International. And L3 stands for the least, the lost, and the last. And we feel that God's really given us a mandate to take the gospel um, both in word, in power, and then also in just meeting practical needs to areas that no one else is going. So we target places that have sometimes zero missionary work, um, remote villages, Muslim nations. We've been working recently in Myanmar. I don't know if you guys have followed what's been going on with Myanmar with the military coup, but we were working there until recently. But um, here's a few slides. One of our, our, our focuses in ministry is to multiply disciples through training, development, and opportunity. So we're involved in a lot of training, equipping. The picture down there at the bottom was in Myanmar. How many of you guys know where Myanmar is? Myanmar is a nation in Southeast Asia, and up until about 10 years ago, it was under a communist um, control, communist government. And they had their first free election 10 years ago, and, and last year the, the military actually stepped back, back in, um, imprisoned all the 
the cabinets and the, the prime minister and just took control over the, uh, over the nation and is persecuting Christians again. But that was right when the shutdown started with COVID. I was over there, and those boxes are sound systems. We purchased 54 sound units, and we gave them to specific evangelists that were preaching the gospel in unreached villages. So we trained them, equipped them, provided resources. The other picture there is Pastor Andrew, one of our church planners. We provided a motorcycle for him so he can take the gospel to the most unreached villages. That's in Africa. And he was, before that, he was riding his bicycle in the rain from village to village. That's dedication, huh? <laughs> and the other picture there is, is one of our um, impact connected to Jim Richards' Bible school graduations in, in, uh, in Zambia. One of our passions is preaching the gospel, communicating the whole gospel with the whole world. We do open-air crusade events in, in Muslim areas, Hindu areas, and we preach the gospel publicly because how many of you guys know the gospel is the power of God for salvation? Yeah, and we can't, get a, we, we can't get away from the truth that it is the gospel. People need the gospel. Sometimes I think we think, well, we just want to friend them into the kingdom of God. And I think we should love on everyone, amen? We should get to know our neighbors just for the sake of getting to know them, not so we can share the gospel. But salvation comes through hearing and believing the gospel. There's no other way. And so we've seen... And I, I throw this out just as, you know, more than just a number, but representing people. Our ministry has been involved in leading over a million people recorded decisions for Christ, to Christ over the last 20 years in 30-some nations. We've seen, and out of those, we've seen Bible schools started, churches started, discipleship groups started. And uh, that picture up in the corner, that was in Myanmar at one of our crusades two years ago. And this was a Buddhist woman who got born again, and she got a Bible. Now, I want you to consider, how many of you guys have, have, have a, a Bible or two at home? <laughs> consider, only about one in three Christians in Myanmar owns their own Bible. You cannot go down to a store and buy a Bible because to print the full Bible is outlawed in the nation of Myanmar because it goes against the Buddhist understanding of creation and a creator God. So they outlawed the full printing of the Bible. We, over the course of about two years, were part of a team that brought in a quarter million Bibles into Myanmar, got them into the hands of Christians, and then we got a lot of New Testaments into the people that responded our, at our crusades. Here's another one. How many of you guys believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Amen. Amen? Now, I think we're in a church that believes in miracles, right? But New Testament Christianity, it always had signs, wonders, and miracles following the preaching of the gospel. Now, the signs and wonders shouldn't become the focus. The focus is Jesus, but the sign always points to a wonder. It points to Jesus. And so when the gospels preach, miracles happen. And so this is just a few pictures of different uh, ministry that's happened in, all around the world. Um, I, could, I could talk all morning about miracles. The, the guy at the top there, he had been crippled, unable to walk for three years. And he came, came to our crusade events in Babadi, Tanzania. God healed him right on stage in front of about 5,000 people, many of them Muslims. <laughs> when you see a miracle, you cannot deny the, the reality of Jesus Christ. I remember we were in Pakistan in 2013. And how many of you guys have seen Pakistan in the news? <laughs> Once or twice. And uh, there was a Muslim lady, an old lady that was completely crippled on her right side, and she came up on the stage in front of about 8,000 people and asked for prayer. Those are the moments you've got to trust, trust and believe that it's not you, it's the power of God in you. 
Amen? Well, God healed her right on stage in front of thousands of people. She began to move her arm, move her, her leg around. Her granddaughter was there just confirming that, that she was that way before. And uh, that will make for a good meeting. <laughs> so we've, you know, we've seen awesome signs and wonders. But what's fun is that most of the miracles take place through our team members, folks like you that come and join us on a mission trip. Because God doesn't, he's not, he doesn't have favorites. I remember in one of our trips to Africa, we had a, a young man that had, uh, he found out that he had gotten his girlfriend pregnant about two weeks before going with us. He didn't really have a relationship with God, but he wanted to go to Africa. And I didn't, I didn't really know all this before we took him, but he came, and let me tell you, that young man was seeing blind eyes, deaf ears open. He saw six um, blind people healed in one of our meetings. It's not about us, right? God doesn't heal because we're good. He heals because it's his nature. He is good. So miracles confirm the gospel. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sharing these things to stir up your faith. Not because you know, we've gone and done all these things. I started out as a, just a punk skateboarder from the mountains of Montana. Um, didn't really have anything. I you know, grew up in a broken family. But I said yes to Jesus Christ. I said, yes, and I said, Lord, I'll, I'll follow you no matter what that means. And it's, uh, it's been a journey. It's been 23 years now of, of travel, but when you understand grace and the finished work, it's, it's a good time. Yeah. Amen? So this, uh, you know, a lot of what we've done, it's just because we said yes to Jesus. This is our ongoing work in Zambia, which is a small nation in East Africa. It's kind of tucked in between the Congo, um, Mozambique, Malawi, and Tanzania. And uh, we've been working there for the last 10 years. Uh, we started doing open-air crusades, village work, and then it just began to, to grow. In 2011, we, actually 2012, we purchased land and built Home of Hope Orphanage. And what you see down there at the bottom is 10 years of development where we now have an uh, orphanage that takes care of 54 children. We have a school, that big blue roof, that's uh, 13 schoolrooms where we're set up to accommodate three to 400 students from K to uh, eighth grade, kindergarten through eighth grade. And so we have students there getting not only a quality, but a, a Christian education. And we've got a church and Bible school there. And then we have several other projects in the making. Um, that sunset, that's from the wall looking down towards the orphanage and the school. And so one thing we do is we take people um, we, we take people with us to Africa every year in June and oftentimes in October. And so Pastor Clint asked me to share about um, some of the opportunities. How many of you guys would like to go on a mission trip sometime? Awesome. You see that? That's about, that's about 10, 15, 20 people. Well, I, you know, you, you are invited. We are a, a grace-based New Covenant ministry, preach the finished work of the cross, but we also believe in the power of God to heal, set free, and deliver and so we're going to take teams in June to uh, the June trip will probably be Zambia and Tanzania, and then the October one may be Zambia and Malawi, um, but you're, you're invited. And so if you go on our website or follow our, our Facebook page, there's always information, dates, costs, um, details on these trips. So join us, join us in Africa. Amen? Amen? How many of you guys are excited? Yeah. Well, I just want to pray. What's that? Are you going this October? You know, I am actually going this October. Um, we, we're not really opening it up, but if God leads us to, we'll bring, we'll bring some extra people with us. 
actually, you, remind me, you reminded me, um, you know, keep us in prayer. One of the opportunities that God just opened is um, in September and into October, and we're going to prisons across the nation of Zambia. And I had one, a leading missionary there. He um, contacted me, and he said, I've, I have an open invitation from the government to preach the gospel in every prison across the nation of Zambia. And he said, I just need an evangelist and a team to do it. <laughs> and so I said, I don't need to pray about this. I said, we're in. This is, this is an open door. And what we're talking about, we're talking, there's, there's 59 prisons in Zambia. There's 23,000 incarcerated, and that's, it's not, not a huge nation, 13 million, but there's 23,000 incarcerated people, and this is uh, minimum, maximum women's, secu- uh, women's prisons and those on death row. 23,000, and so we said we can't get to 59 prisons on one trip. Let's, hi- let's take on 11 of the big ones. And so we're going to 11 prisons where, we're gonna, where there's thir- uh, 15,000 out of the 23,000 inmates are. And so in October, actually the end of September, we're heading out, and we're going to do a 14-day tour around the nation preaching the gospel in these prisons. Um, Faith Comes by Hearing, one of the organizations out there, has given us um, hundreds of audio Bibles in the Bimba language for each cell block to receive an audio Bible. And then we're printing um, 10,000 new believers booklets, new covenant-based discipleship material, and we're going to give one to every person that responds to the gospel. No, we, we're we're about three to four thousand dollars short. Yeah, which is pretty good. We started at needing about twenty thousand for airfares, uh, printing, and all the all the all the costs associated. So that's uh, that's what's coming up, and then we'll be back also in November in Africa as well. So please keep us in prayer. Amen. Amen. All right, how many of you guys are excited? Yeah. <laughs> Say I'm excited. <laughs> Say I'm not shaken. Say, my perspective of God is not being formed by current events. <laughs> I'm not in fear. The kingdom of God is here. Amen. What I'm titling the message that, uh, that I'm going to share about today is God's perspective for God's world. And uh, how many of you guys know that we need to, we need to get God's perspective on what's happening in, in, in not only in our nation but the world? We cannot afford to let current events uh, control and dictate the way we believe and the way we live. If we do that, man, we're, we're heading for difficult times. No, I've, I've had two people, at least two, possibly a third, that, that were close to me um, that I knew that were Christians in their own life in this last couple months. No, there is so much hopelessness and brokenness in the world. You know, there is, there is so much confusion, and I wish I could say it was just in the world out there and not in the church, but unfortunately, that same spirit of despair is in many Christians. We're, we should be the ones with hope. We should be the ones offering solution. And I think the reason is, is because we're not, we don't have God's perspective for our lives, for the world, for, for what's going on in, in life. And as we're in worship this morning... 
I was, I was just thinking about some of this stuff, and I begin just to, to see kind of you know, what was happening in, from the, the, the spiritual aspect in our world and nation. And th no, there is, there is all these things going on. There's demonic activity. There's the beliefs of our hearts, which transmit so much. I know uh, Pastor Clint teaches on different things having to do with the heart. But there is just so much activity in the world that we have to focus down and get God's perspective. I was thinking about, in, uh, in I, I believe it's 2 Kings, the story of Elisha and his servants, where the enemy had, had, had surrounded, the army had surrounded Elisha, and his servant is freaking out. His servant's like, Elisha, what are you going to do? You're trapped in a city. And uh, you know what Elisha does? You guys probably all know this story. But he says, Lord, open my servant's eyes so that he would see. Now, there was an enemy, there was an army, there was, there, there was danger. That was from a, a standpoint that was completely earthly, physical, fleshly. But there is a higher reality, and that's called the kingdom of God. And that we need to get that reality, that perspective, that focus. And so God prayed, Lord, no, or Elisha prayed, open my servant's eyes. And it says, when his eyes opened... And of course, his eyes were already open, but what was he seeing? He was seeing with the eyes of his heart. When he began to see with those eyes, he saw that, that the whole city, there was, there, was, there was the enemy, but above the enemy, there was the armies of God. <laughs> and then God worked a great deliverance. And so it is so necessary that we get God's perspective for the times we are living in. And that perspective is called the kingdom of God. Say the kingdom of God. Now, unfortunately, Christians know very little about the kingdom of God. Some people are going to push the kingdom and say, well, okay, well, the kingdom is when Jesus comes and rules on the earth, or the kingdom is when you die and go to heaven, or it's just this strictly spiritual realm. But Jesus talked about the kingdom more than any other thing in his teaching. All of his teaching surrendered on, uh, you know, on, on finances or stewardship or heaven or hell or everything. It all came back to the kingdom of God. How many of you guys know what the, the Rosetta Stone was? What was it? It was, it was a hieroglyphic that basically had translation for three different ancient languages, and it became a key to decipher unknown languages. And I believe that in that same way that that was the key to deciphering these unknown, uh, unknown languages, that the kingdom of God is the key to understanding all of Scripture. There's two themes that you're going to find all through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, and it's the kingdom and it's the covenant. And if you can understand those things, kingdom and covenant, the word is going to become much more clear to you. And so what I want to share with you today centers around the kingdom of God, what that kingdom is, how it's growing, where is it? It's within us. It's more than just salvation. John 3, 3, Jesus said that you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. And so many people, they've been born again, but they're not seeing and living and experiencing the kingdom. I don't want to be one of those people. Amen? This time in history, it is absolutely essential that we, we tap into the resources of the kingdom because in the kingdom is righteousness, peace, joy, is healing, deliverance. Everything you need is in the kingdom of God. That kingdom is in within you, but that kingdom expands through you. Are you guys tracking with me or am I going over your heads today? If you can track with, with, with Clint's messages, you should be good here. He does some good stuff. 
Okay, so Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. We're going to start out with this today. It says, Jesus came to Galilee. I don't think I've got these things up on the screen, but you can follow me. Mark 1, 14 and 15. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Say the gospel of the kingdom. So Jesus had a message, and it wasn't just the gospel of salvation, which most of us have heard. It's the gospel of the kingdom. He came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and he said, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So Jesus breaks in the scene, and he says, The kingdom of God, what you have all been waiting for, this rule and reign of God on the earth, it's breaking in to your reality. It's breaking in the time that it is fulfilled. Repent, change your perspective, change your mind, and believe, put faith in the gospel. That was how Jesus launched his ministry. And remember, he was talking to a bunch of Jews, and the Jews were waiting for the Messiah to come. They were waiting for the Messiah to come and set things right. Right from Genesis chapter 3, God made a promise that there was going to be a seed that was going to come and crush the serpent's head. That he was, and that's a promise that God was going to set right everything that Adam and Eve messed up at the beginning. I remember, I remember my, my kids when they were young, they, they would get so mad at Adam and, Adam and Eve. They're like, why did you mess this thing up? <laughs> I mean, in a kid's mind, it's so simple. Why'd you eat the freaking fruit, Adam? But God had a plan to set things right, to restore things back to the way it was supposed to be. And it starts, it's God restoring the kingdom. And so what Jesus launched is growing on the earth. And we're going to look and see what that actually means and what it looks like. Because Jesus launched something. He launched a rescue mission, not just to rescue us and get us to heaven when we die, as good as that is. I'm grateful for heaven. I'm grateful that we can have that confidence But you know what? God didn't save us for heaven. He saved us to walk in his kingdom on the earth. You know, when the the final plan of God, thanks, Sarah, when the final plan of God is walked out, it's not going to be everyone up in heaven. It's going to be everyone on a new earth. That's God's original plan and intent. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself right here. So most of us today have been taught the goal of the gospel is to get right with God so we can go to heaven when we die or so we can get raptured out of here. But very few of us have really been taught what it means to live in the kingdom, to experience the kingdom. I define the kingdom as the rule and reign of the king. It's the government of God. And we have trouble grasping what the kingdom is, I think, for one, because we come from a democracy, right? We, you know, this is, this is a government, or America is supposed to be ruled by the people. Unfortunately, at this moment, it's not really being <laughs> ruled by the people. But we have trouble grasping the concept of a kingdom because, no, we, we come from a democracy where the kingdom of God is not a democracy. God is a king. You can't vote him out of office. You can't change his rules and his laws. Yeah, and he's a good king. A lot of Christians don't know he's a good king, but I, I think we have trouble grasping the kingdom, for one, because of, of how we've grown up. And I've traveled to several kingdoms. They call the United Kingdom a kingdom. They call, um, the, you know, they call the Netherlands a kingdom. And they're not really, I mean, they have a king and a queen who really doesn't do anything except wear a crown. Um, but, I mean, there still are kingdoms on this earth. But we've got to shift our 
understanding shift our focus so we can see the kingdom of God. Another reason that we have trouble grasping the kingdom is because we've been predominantly taught the gospel of salvation and not the gospel of the kingdom. Now, the gospel of, the, of, of salvation fits into the kingdom gospel, but it's, it's like, I, I like to think of the gospel like this. If you had a diamond, um, and some of you women have a diamond on your finger right there, and every facet is very unique. And so when you think about the gospel, you've got the gospel of salvation, the gospel of grace, the gospel of peace. Um, you have, you know, righteousness as a gift. You have all these facets. But that, that diamond, I believe, is the gospel of the kingdom. And so all these different aspects of it fit into that. And so most of us, you know, we get born again. We're saved. God, you've forgiven us. I can go to heaven when I die. I'm right with God. And, uh, but it really doesn't affect here and now. And then we understand things like the gospel of peace, the gospel of grace, and amen. Man, I remember trying to live life under guilt and condemnation, think, thinking that God was holding my sins against me. And so we, we believe that, and that, makes our, that gives us emotional stability. It gives us peace. It gives us, you know, we can actually walk through life victorious. God has provided everything we need, but unfortunately, so many grace Christians don't go a step further and understand the gospel of the kingdom where not only are we born again, saved, have peace with God, have everything we need for life and godliness, but we have been given, uh, we've been given stewardship of the earth to bring God's kingdom here. We've got a job to do. You understand grace, you're not Working, you're not working to get God's approval, but you're working out of that place of God's approval. There's work to do, guys. Amen? And I praise God that I'm not laboring to do it. Now, everything we've done in, in ministry, it hasn't been because I force things to happen. Now, I was talking, talking with Jim Richards just uh, about a month ago, and we were talking about how when God begins to give us a new vision, you know, in the past, I would sit down and I would write out a strategic business plan for things or, you know, f five goals or a five-year uh, ministry business plan. And those things are all, and all good, and I still do a lot of them, but what we were, we were talking about is that most of the things that, that we're accomplishing, it happens effortlessly, it happens from the heart, you see it first in the heart, and then out of that place, God puts you in the right place at the right time with the right people to have the right impact. That's what grace does. So I'm not saying, man, let's just grit our teeth and, and build the kingdom on the earth. It is all of grace. But when you understand these things, you realize that we really do have responsibility. We have a realm of responsibility. We have people that God has placed around us, and we've got to impact them. So the Bible talks about the gradual increase and influence of the kingdom of God. In, in Isaiah 9-7, it talks about that the government of God, of the increase of the government of the Messiah and of his peace, there will be no end. It's growing. Think, think about this. In Daniel chapter 2, and this goes, takes us back to the Old Testament, God gave Daniel this revelation of this statue. And in the statue, um, it represented, most theologians will say, that it represented the kingdoms of the earth that were to come. The head was of gold, the chest and arms of silver, the belly and the thighs of bronze, and the feet and iron of clay. And most people will say that that represented the Babylonian Empire, Persian Empire, Greek Empire, and the Roman Empire. But listen to this. Daniel chapter 2, verse 34 and 35. It says... 
that Daniel, he watched while a stone was cut without hands, and it struck the image on the feet of iron and clay, and it broke them to pieces. Then the iron, clay, and the bronze, and silver, and gold, they were crushed together like chaff in the summer threshing floor. The wind carried them away. So every trace of these, these kingdoms of the earth that once ruled in power and authority, they were crushed, and the wind blew them away. Anyone ever been to the Babylonian Empire? Persian Empire. What about the Greek Empire? What about Rome? I mean, what do we think about Rome? We think about good food, not an empire that ruled the earth. And listen to this. It says, And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain, and it filled the whole earth. Check this out. This is Daniel's interpretation of the stone. And in those days, the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It will break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it will itself stand forever. Can I get an oh yeah? So what he's saying, it says this, this stone that struck this, struck this image, this statue, it's the kingdom of God that God is setting up on the earth and it will grow in power and influence until it fills the whole earth. Man, that's good news, guys. That means that current events should not form our perspective of God, the gospel, and the kingdom growing on the earth. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that there's not going to be difficult times. I'm not saying there's not going to be persecution, tribulation. I'm not saying, and we, and we know that that doesn't come from God, right? But, I mean, God has nothing to do with that. He's our Father. But we live in a world where there is still darkness and evil. There is still conflict between the kingdom of God and darkness. So I'm not saying that that these things aren't going to happen, that persecution, tribulation isn't going to happen. But I'm saying that God's kingdom is here and it is advancing and one day it is going to fill this earth. That gives us perspective. Now, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how yesterday, how in Acts chapter 2, there was 120 people waiting for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do you guys know that there's well over 2 billion Christians in the world today? Actually, I think, it's more, I think it's over 3 billion. Close to half of the world's population wouldn't consider themselves Christians or believers in God. And, and we know that that, might, that, that also includes you know, Catholics, Orthodox, a lot of people that may not be born again. Some may, amen? Some may not. But the point is, is that this kingdom, this, this kingdom of God, which Jesus established in Palestine... 2,000 years ago, is growing in influence on the earth and one day will fill, fill the whole earth. You know, for the sake of time, I'm not going to go into what Jesus taught about the kingdom, but he gave different examples in Matthew chapter 13. You can go back and, and study those, but he said it's a mustard seed. He said it's a mustard seed that's the tiniest of the seeds, but when it's planted, it grows into a tree so big that the birds of the air come and nest in it. He said the kingdom of God is like leaven, or yeast, which a woman takes and, and kneads into the, the, to the dough. And what does yeast do? It expands, it grows. That's what the kingdom of God, it says it, it's like yeast and it grows until the whole batch is leavened. What's the batch? The world, the kingdom. Jesus sowed himself to establish the kingdom into the world and it's been growing for 2,000 years. Now, the last parable we talked about, he said... 
He who sows the good seed is the son of man. He says the field is the world. The, the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. The bad seeds are the sons of the evil one. And he says that both of these seeds, the good and bad, sons of the kingdom, sons of the darkness, are growing on earth until the end, until the final judgment. And then he says, this is the final judgment. God sends forth the angels and they remove out of his kingdom everything that's evil, all of his enemies, everything that's dark, everything that's not righteous. It's interesting to me that the end of the age is not God removing us from the world, it's God removing evil. Rut row. You know, that goes right along with John 17, 15. Jesus said, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Should we expect the world to get better or worse? I think it's all about perspective. I think in one, in one, one way, darkness is going to continue to grow. You know, uh, those who don't know the Lord are going to become more angry against God and angry against the church. But at the same time, I, I have a hope in the gospel of the kingdom that that kingdom is going to continue to grow and influence. So I just want to share with you guys just a few um, testimonies in church history. Is the world getting better or worse? Take a look at a few of these things that, are, that have taken place, even recently, the last 100 years. In, in 1900, so just over 100 years ago, South Korea had no known churches and was deemed impossible to penetrate with the gospel. 120 years ago. Today, it's 30% Christian, and there's over 7,000 churches in Seoul alone. That's some incredible growth. Here's another, the Jesus film. Anyone familiar with the Jesus film? used it all over the world. Jesus' film has been translated into over 1,000 languages, seen over 200 million decisions or people indicate decisions for Christ. That's good fruit. Amen? The past, consider this one, the past method and rate of Bible translation, and we work with Wycliffe and different organizations, the, pre, or the past method of Bible translation would put the final Bible translation around to uh, 2150, so in about 130 years from now. Now through new technology, they are in pace to complete by 2042. That's all the languages of the world. That might, you might have missed that. We, they just caught off over 100 years of what would have been tedious labor to, find, to translate that last Bible into the local languages through technology. And technology you can use for the kingdom or you can use for darkness. That's, that's amazing right there. This is the Bible in people's heart language, the language that they grew up learning and knowing. You know, my, my wife's mom was actually involved with creating the alphabet that Wycliffe used to create a translation of a tribal um, Bible in Brazil. This is a, this, you, we don't think about these things. This is, this is a tribal group that had, they had their language, but they had no written language. And so she helped create that written language and then teach the people how to read so, so they could you know, read the Bible in their own language. Here's a couple more. I don't know about you guys, but these things get me excited. Man, this is, this is stuff that I live for. This is the kingdom of God advancing on the earth. Presently, 78,000 people are coming to Christ daily. Daily, 78,000. 16,000 new churches are planted each week. These are recent new statistics. 
from trusted missions organizations. Over the last 100 years, the church has nearly quadrupled in size from 600 million in 1910 to 2.3 billion in 2011. That's 100 years the church has nearly quadrupled in size. Presently, over a third of the earth's population identifies with Jesus. And lastly, Indonesia, the largest Muslim nation in the world, has grown from 1.3 billion or million Christians 40 years ago to over 11 million today in the strongest Muslim nation, population-wise. Does that sound like a weak end-time church? You don't hear that. You know why? Because fear sells. And fear has a way of crippling you where you don't see anything else. You know, I, I stay up to date on current events. I, I watch the news. But every time I feel that, and usually with me, it's not fear. It's I get mad. <laughs> I throw my iPad. What are these liberal idiots doing? <laughs> Can I say that in here? Okay. Okay. So we've got to really guard our heart. And we've got to ask ourselves, you know, where is the disconnect? If, if this is happening, if, if the gospel of kingdom is expanding, if, if, if uh, you know, Jesus came and established a kingdom that's growing, then where's the disconnect? And I believe a lot of it has to do with the focus, the message has, the, of the church that they've been preaching for 2,000 years. It's been predominantly about sin and not about Christ. And I, I think a lot of it, like I said, it's, it's the gospel of salvation, but it's not the full message of the kingdom of God. And so we've got to grasp what this means. It's been an incomplete gospel. I've written down here, causing us to see God ourselves in the world through sin glasses instead of sunglasses, through escape versus occupy and do business, through heaven versus the kingdom. Now, like I said before, praise God we've got heaven but God's more concerned about seeing heaven come to earth than seeing us just go up to heaven. Let me ask you guys and consider a few of these things. How do we view the future? Gospel of the kingdom versus gospel of salvation. The salvation would emphasize that here on earth we're just passing through. I'm just passing through. This isn't my home. I'm on my way to heaven. We also would emphasize that things got to get worse before Jesus comes back. The focus is endured to the end. So let me go back. Just passing through, kingdom would say, let's disciple the nations. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, he didn't, he didn't say make disciples of people in those nations. He said, disciple the nations. That means that the kingdom principles and values can actually change society, change culture. It changes individual hearts, but through those hearts, it affects culture. What happens if you get a born-again, spirit-filled, kingdom-centered Christian in the public school system? You know what? God can elevate them to a place of authority and influence where they're actually making change. That's the way it works. Just passing through, discipling nations. Things must get worse. The world gradually gets better. Now, I think that's all your perspective. Endure to the end. What did Jesus say? He said, do business until I return. Get busy. Occupy. Future judgment. I believe in a future judgment. The kingdom, we're focused on future rewards. Now, we get rewards not for earning salvation, but because what we did out of an overflow of grace. Future rewards. The kingdom, salvation put, pushes the kingdom into the future. The gospel of the kingdom would put the kingdom now in increasing. 
salvation, oftentimes, how many of you guys have heard, God's going to destroy the world? This whole thing's going to burn, right? I believe God's going to restore the world. Yep, he's restoring things. He's setting things right. There's going to be a coming together of heaven and earth, and we're going to reign with Christ. This changes, this changes our perspective. It changes our focus. Gospel of the kingdom versus the gospel of salvation. So what is our assignment? Now, here's, here's three signs of Christ's return that you've probably never heard about. When we talk about signs of Christ's return, we usually talk about wars, rumors of wars, nation rising against nation, plagues, pestilence, COVID-19, um, Joe Biden. <laughs> but here's three signs of Christ's return that you oftentimes don't hear about. The enemies of Christ are defeated. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 to 26 says, Then comes the end, the end, the end, the finish, complete, the goal, when he, Jesus, delivers the kingdom to God the Father when he puts an end to all rule and authority and power. For he, Jesus, must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet and the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. What you guys think about that? Jesus is reigning and through the church, all his enemies are being made a footstool for his feet. That's through us. Through the church, through believers kingdom-centered believers. Then he says, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. When everything's been subdued, Jesus is going to hand over the kingdom to the Father. The nations are discipled, Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me, said Jesus. This is the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. And we just touched on that, but Jesus did not say, just go and disciple people, even though that is true, and that is the gospel. Don't misunderstand me. But like I said, he said that we're to disciple and influence nations and people groups and culture and the people that we're involved with, the people that we see day to day. I mean, we should have, we should have kingdom-centered people in politics. Yeah. Amen? And here's another. The knowledge of God's glory will cover the earth, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. Are we seeing that one yet? Well, in some places we are. We are seeing that the kingdom is expanding on the earth, but there is so much more to do, amen? And so we got to ask ourselves, what is our part? What are we supposed to do? Now, I think one of the biggest mistakes that as Christians, what we do is we separate the, the, the physical from the spiritual. And we, we, we elevate, all right, you know, Clint's called to the office of a pastor and to do ministry. I, I work as an evangelist, but what about me? If you are Christian, if you are holy, which you are, say, I'm holy, then everything you touch and influence becomes holy. It becomes sacred. It becomes set aside or unique. And so you might not be on a stage somewhere or you know, be, be doing what we're doing, but you have an area, you have a sphere of influence that God has placed you in, and you have gifts that God has placed in you, and I know that's the topic of, one, of Clint's new book I'm excited to read, just of tapping into that purpose, realizing what that purpose that God has placed on the inside of you. But everything you touch, everything you influence becomes holy. You tracking with me? So I, wanna, I, be able to, I want you guys to see, bring this down land this plane a little bit, begin to see that not only is the kingdom 
out here expanding, growing, and influencing. It's in you, all the kingdom resources and benefits, everything you need for life and godliness, all the blessings in the spiritual realm, everything that's in Christ, all your in Christ realities, it's in you, the kingdom is in you, but it flows through you. It flows through you when you preach the gospel. It flows through you when you lead your children to love and walk with God. It, leads, it, it moves through you when you influence people in, your, in the business. How many people here own their own business? Man, awesome. So you, have, you, you, you are called to that place of business and influence to grow the kingdom of God, to expand the kingdom of God. We've got to separate. Every Christian is called to do mission. We are on a mission. And it's to, inf- it's to reach our world. It's to influence our world. I want to read a quote from, uh, from a, a theologian I have written down here. It says, The day must end where churches live by a five-year plan because the return of Jesus is expected. Uh-oh. The church must tear up their short-term strategies and prepare, with the help of the Holy Spirit, a hundred-year plan for growing the church and the kingdom. What decisions would you, would you make if you believed your great-great-grandchildren would continue walking in the kingdom? What advice would you give your children? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Now, so often we're just thinking so temporal and short-term, and, and uh, you know, we need to live with an expectation to the return of Christ. Amen? I don't deny that. We need, to, we, need to keep, we need to be prepared. Jesus talked about the wise and the foolish virgins, and the foolish were the ones that were not prepared for the wait. Interesting about the vir- those, those, those virgins is it says they all slept <laughs> because the return of you know, the, the bridegroom, he delayed his coming. It said they all slept, but the ones that were ready were the ones that were prepared. They brought extra. And so you know, I'm, I'm not here to talk about you know, end times, eschatology, but what I want to lay out is that God's kingdom is growing. Good things are happening in the earth. Believe it or not. Amen? I mean, I just got invited into a whole prison system in a nation of Zambia. And I'm not, I'm not a big shot. What can God do with you when you step out in faith? What will God do in your life when you take that standpoint that I'm going to do business until he comes? You remember when Jesus, you know, he gave, he gave three stewards a certain amount. He gave them talents, the Bible says, which was a certain amount of money. And we know that two out of those three, they invested the talents. But the third one, and it says, because I was afraid of you, it says that he saw the master as a hard, austere man. And because of that, he hid the talents. And master got mad. You know? He said, he said, no, why did you hide? Why did you not at least, at least invest with the bankers what I've given you? Don't hide what God has put in you. Don't grit your teeth and think, I'm just going to hang on until Jesus comes back. See what God has placed at your disposal. Evaluate the resources that God has put around you. Take inventory for your, your, your sphere of influence. And then through the help of the Holy Spirit, create a plan to begin changing things in, your, in that area of influence. Is it with your, your family, your wife? Start with that, right? Wife or husband. Start with your kids. Start with your family. Start with your, your extended family. Start with your neighborhood. Start with your community. That's what Jesus said. He said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You start locally, but then work your way out. How many of you guys received something from this today? Amen. I mean, might have you know, challenged some previously held beliefs. 
But I, I really, I've been, I've, I, I preached something similar to this a while back, but um, this is just something that's been stirring in my heart, that we've got to get on the offense. As a church, we can't just be on the defense. We can't just stand up for the things we're against. We've got we to gotta preach the gospel. We've got to disciple nations. We've got to expand the kingdom. I, believe, I personally believe that, very, though this may be a low time in America, that we're going to see great and glorious things. We're going to see this Amer- America as we know it, as, as, as God, the calling of God upon this nation continue. But it's not going to happen automatically. God has given us this world. And so I just want to ask everyone here, I want to do a few things and we're going to have a time of ministry, but I just want to ask everyone to stand to your feet and I want you to uh, join hands or link arms if that's okay. If, if you're concerned about any of that, please don't. But uh, if you're comfortable, just join hands with someone next to you. Because what God is doing on the earth, it is, it is an all-hands-on-deck mission. It's not just for the five-fold ministry. What God's doing on the earth, He needs every believer. You carry gifts that only, only you carry. Where's my skateboard friend? Where are you at, buddy? Alex. Alex. <laughs> I didn't remember your name. <laughs> You know, Alex, I think God's just, just highlighting you, man. And I, I just hear God saying, and he's saying it in the language you understand. And he's saying, bro, I love you. I am for you. I put my words in your mouth. Don't be afraid to share, share me with people. He's saying, shake off fear. Share, shake off the fear of what others are going to think about you. And you just be what God's called you to be. Amen. And uh, Courtney, I, is Courtney, and what was your wife's name? I.E.? Heidi. Heidi. Okay, I was like, I.E. Okay. <laughs> Courtney and, and Heidi, where are you at, Heidi? She's in kids' Okay. Man, you know, one thing, I was just, just hearing a little bit of your heart today, and I, I wanted to encourage you and just what I, what I felt God saying, I know you shared and Clint shared how you're, gonna, you're stepping out and launching a, a new um, church plant. And so I just felt God say that there is going to be a new level of confidence given to you, that um, you are going to discover gifts, uh, even in just um, administration, organization, leadership gifts that you had no clue were even in you. But as you step out, and like Peter stepping out of the boat, you're going to discover those gifts, and it's going to be, they're there at the right time when you need them. And there's different things that you've been like, how am I going to... Now, how am I going to navigate this or that? And God's saying, when you get there, the supply. You know, the, the supply of God, oftentimes, you don't have until you step out and actually, and actually go towards what he's called you to do. And so it's the whole thing with Elisha, or Elijah, where or I think it was, uh, it was Elijah, where God had the provision at the next place he was calling Elijah to go. And so I, think, I hear God saying, he's got the provision at the next place he's called you to go. So bless you guys. Excited. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you that uh, there is no fear here. I thank you that fear has to go in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that there is a new sense of boldness coming up over every person here in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father. 
that uh, you have given every person here, man, woman, young person, child, gifts, Father God. And so we just call those gifts to function in the name of Jesus. I call forth the gifts of the Spirit to function, the tools of the trade to function in these people now in the name of Jesus. Lord, any, any belief system, any fear, um, any worry, any concern that would hold them back, God, from beginning to flow in those gifts, we just say, be removed from them in the name of Jesus. And God, I thank you right now that the gifts of the Spirit, they're welcome here. They flow here. Lord, I thank you that you have given uh, Clinton and Sarah just a unique perspective for this time, for this season, and not only perspective, you've given them wisdom and how to apply that perspective to daily life. So I thank them. Thank you, God. And if there's anyone here that, that wants to be bolder, that wants to pray for the sick in the, in the streets, in their job, and, but there's just something seeming to hold you back. A lot of, there's, there were several people that raised your hand. You say, you know, God's called me to evangelism. That's awesome. But how many of you guys know every one of us is called to share the gospel? every one of us. And so there's anyone that specifically would like some prayer for that area of a fresh boldness just in sharing their faith and ministering to people. Would you just raise your hand? Yeah. Okay. And so, Lord, I just thank you. I just thank you for boldness, and I just release that boldness upon their lives now in the name of Jesus. We break off fear in the name of Jesus, and we thank you, God, that when they open their mouths, God, words would be given to them. Jesus' name. And we're, we're just going to go into time of ministry. I know the, the band's going to do a little bit of worship. Um, you can go ahead and, and, and take your seats, but I want to do a few more things. And, um, you know, healing is a big part of, of the gospel, and I want to minister anyone that needs healing. But I just, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I see you praying for people to come up. That sure. last thing you offered to just lay hands on. Okay. Just throw up that gift. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Do that. Do that in just a second. But what, I want to give an opportunity right now. Um, I don't know the crew here, but knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is by far the most incredible thing you will ever experience in your life. And, uh, you know, I, I remember as a young man full of fear and, and confusion um, and even depression at times and surrendering my life to Jesus Christ and allowing him to come and change my life. Uh, there's nothing better. And so I just want to give an opportunity to anyone that really just doesn't know where they're at with God, um, isn't sure that they've been born again. And, and the, down here in, the, in the, the Bible Belt, and I, I heard there were several new people here, down here in the Bible Belt, everyone knows about God, has you know, been to church, but so many people have never, never been what Jesus called being born again. And we've been born, when you've been born again, you know you're born again, right? So no one has to try to convince you. You don't have to do it repeatedly. <laughs> Amen. But when you know, when you know that, that you've been born again, you, you know it. No one can take that away. And so if, uh, just to ask everyone, just to kind of bow your heads and just, if there's anyone here that's, that isn't sure about that, that's either never made that decision or you're just not sure where you're at, and you want to just say, hey, Nate, I want Jesus to be Lord and Savior. I want him to be my righteousness. I want to know I have peace with God. And just put your hand up and say, that's me. I'm going to make that choice, going to make that decision. Just put your hand up. Anyone here? I'm not going to... I'm not going to drag this on and you know, try to... Yeah. Yeah. But if there's anyone, I just don't want to miss any opportunity. Anyone that's just not sure. Just put your hand up boldly. Sometimes, you know, it takes confidence and boldness to say, Jesus, you're my Savior and Lord. 
I want to follow you. Okay. Well, praise God. Doing a good job, Pastor Clint. <laughs> and now I, I just, if, uh, if there's anyone that wants some personal prayer and ministry, maybe for boldness, uh, maybe for healing, I just want to invite you to come on up and myself and Pastor Clint and any of the other leaders or elders, you guys know who you are. Just feel free to come on up. But if you would like prayer, just stand up to your feet and come on down here to the front. Make a decision that you're not going to leave this place without receiving everything that God has for you. Go ahead and come on up here. You know, I, I know there's people here that need a physical healing in their body. Healing's purchased. Healing's part of the provision that Jesus Christ provided. It's not something we've got to work up. We don't have to convince God that it's time for him to heal us. It is provided. Our part is to receive. You know, like the woman with the issue of blood, what she did is she reached out and she connected her need to God's supply. God's supply is in the cross, provided our healing, our deliverance, our peace, our forgiveness. But in faith, and what's our faith? It's our response. That's all it is. It's our trust. In faith, we reach out and we receive what God has freely given to us. But the woman with the issue of blood, man, immediately the virtue, the power of God flowed from him, Jesus, to her, and she was healed. It's here. It's now. If you need healing, just, just come on up here and we're going to pray and minister. I would, I would say, too, everybody that raised their hand for boldness, just come up, too. You know, I mean, we're all family here. Uh, if, how many of you raised your hand? Raise your hand when he asked you to raise your hand. Go ahead and slide on up. I know some of you aren't raising your hand when he said to raise your hand. We'll get you toward the end there. You can stay back there. But come on up. Because, you know, so there is a thing called impartation. Impartation is not when you get something that you didn't previously have. Impartation, it's almost like tuning, like spiritual tuning. So, like, you have God in you. You have all of him in you. But there is some type of energetic, you know, we can't really explain it. It's somebody that's operating in something to have them pray for you. It stirs it up. You know, there's a gift inside of there. There's a power. There's an energy inside of there. So if you guys want to back up just a little bit and give room for him to slide along in front of you. And as they slide into worship and you minister freely, y'all just kind of follow him if you want to, you know, stay, follow his lead there. You just pray for that too. Just let him know what it is, if it's healing or if it's that stirring up. I know there were more of you that raised your hand. Who else was it? Adam, you should come up here and let him pray for your arm. Adam was in a car wreck Friday. I don't know if y'all knew that. He was supposed to sing today, but the car was totaled. There probably was a big old angel protecting you from it being worse. It looked pretty bad, so glad you're here. Right, how you doing? You all right? You sore? Come on up here and let him pray for you. All right. Yeah. Okay, and well. If you need to leave, you can slide on out. Um, Buy a book on your way out or two. There's a deal with those. Get with Don on that. And we'll just hang out and pray and give to him directly. So l3international.org. Uh, part of what you give today, we're going to put toward his ministry. And, you know, we don't know that exact number yet. One of the things that I'd like to see is this church pick up this ministry as a regular a ministry that we sow into as a church you know so if you want to give directly you are more than welcome to I mean you have partners you welcome partners people that are watching online if you want to partner with Nate's ministry you're welcome to partner uh, anybody in here I would encourage you even to go and read and look at but we as a church also too are going to 
look into what makes sense for us to sow into it because we believe in what he's doing. Do you appreciate Nate coming and ministering for us today? Thank you.